0: Hello and welcome to In the Scottish Music Centre's podcast series. My name is Keith Petty and today I am joined with Billy Kilty and Susan Montgomery from 23rd Precinct. How's it going, Billy, Susan?
1: Magic. Well, Superb, Keith. Thanks.
2: Yeah, all good. Nice
1: to have us. Fantastic.
0: Um, right, I want to talk about Resonate and, and all the things that go around that, but just firstly, we'll start with yourself, Billy. How did it all begin?
1: Uh, <laughs> quite an interesting one, actually. Me and my old schoolmate David Ross, who we went on to write a book with we shenanigans at this part of life called "Last Days of Disco," <laughs> um, which was about us growing up in Kilmarnock and the Thatcher years and things like that. But I, um, we were we got a job as a groundsman at the the tennis club in Kilmarnock I, think we were, I don't know, fifteen or something at a time which only lasted a month due to a few things like us flooding the courts. We were told not to touch them and uh, sleeping in for the ladies' final with the keys for the place. I think that was the last straw, actually. It was a teacher at the school, Angus Roger. I always remember. And, uh, that was it. We lasted a month and were kind of kicking the heels down at the this river in Kilmarnock one night. What were we going to do? I was thinking, I know we could, be, we could start a mobile disco. So that was how, that nice. was how my dad gave us. I think it was three hundred quid. The equipment together, and that was that was how it started. We got off and off and running. Started buying seven inch singles and and went for there to. Uh, I progressed a bit more serious, seriously into DJing. Uh, did this in command. I actually got a job in the the council. Command did a five year diploma and left um, when the opportunity to because I used to buy records in twenty third precinct record shop. Yeah. And the sale came up, and the, I went to the, the guy who was DJing for it at the time, and asked any chance we could go for this. And um, it was all quite by chance. And then gave up the job that I'd studied five years for at the council, which they, <laughs> they weren't very pleased about. And uh, oh, yeah. I ended up—that was it—full-time career in music. Right, so you started out as a DJ, aye. Everyone was saying we were coming in with equipment every night, and ripping the wallpaper and stuff. You'll, you'll never do any music. So I've never done anything else since. <laughs> Nobody's ever paid me. I've paid myself. It's <laughs> just <ever since. laughs> quite mad. But uh, aye.
0: Amazing. And what about yourself, Susan? How did you start to kick it off?
2: My story is nowhere near as exciting as I <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: Yeah. I, was, um, try- I was trying to do something with my legs and went to Glasgow to study biochemistry and then I think I was chloroforming a fly or something one day and I was like, what, this really isn't for me. <laughs> and I love music and then went back to college and, and sort of tried to find my feet and met Ken McCloskey who probably has changed my life single-handedly for one reason and um, just getting me obviously to work with uh, getting me a position working at 23rd but um he was one of the main lecturers at um stole when I was there it's now Glasgow Kelvin mm. and really just being in that class and figuring out there's more than just like the performance side of music there's all this sort of stuff that's going on behind the scenes and I was like yeah you know this is this is a bit of me I want to get involved in that and yeah from there was just you know working the door all sorts of gigs doing the cloakroom doing those like really mundane sort of sort of jobs but just to get your foot in the door as people say it's cliche but it really did help me meet people and help me meet like managers and two managers and you know one door closed another door opened that sort of sense Mm -hmm. of things so yeah and then so I think that's four years just past the four year anniversary of working at 23rd, so amazing. I feel like I've aged terribly, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, uh, yes. Yeah, just four years working at 23rd, and then before that, sort of doing like a year of just bits and bobs, just working for different artists. But yes, yeah, it's, it's been it's been magical, stressful mm-hmm. at times, magical,
0: of course.
1: Again, <laughs> yeah, I'd recommend Susan as the outstanding uh, candidate. Well, the previous. Uh, Heather left to go to, back to Belfast and I spoke to Ken and he, he was very gushing about your yeah. talents in the yeah. class and that. So uh, aye, yeah. she was highly recommended at the time. Oh,
0: Outstanding. Awesome. Outstanding. So what other things have you over the years, what other things have you kind of done? Um more musically doesn't matter if it's not, but other things like uh,
1: well I as I said you that time in, in life where I had the that sort of the, the job and the the council. And did the diploma in public admin. I always say degree, but it was a diploma. And uh, worked with the licensing board. That was an interesting time, the licensing board. And then was also DJing at times. time. So that, <laughs> people asked that we DJ for a time uh, at the time. But uh, I, that was, t- and then, as I say, moved into the record shop. So pretty, pretty early in the record shop, we started the record label. It was just the, the, the culture of that time was... Uh, tapes, dat tapes and white labels, and and we were in with a sort of network of shops across the UK that did cool cuts uh, store and swap vinyl and then through that limbo records began just it was a just a sort of creative hub in 23rd precinct so we, we had the label and the publishing company started mm-hmm. at the same time as that so without a clue what we were doing but we had <laughs> a new career path as well as shop assistant was suddenly suddenly there and mm-hmm. uh yeah, so it was just all a bluff for about 10 years. <laughs> it was just rolling with the punches, as you said. But um, incredible. Quite mad. Yeah. And then other things developed as we went on, which can been like artist management and, mm-hmm. and things. But that was the two main areas, which pr- pretty much were running the, the shop, the label and the publishing company at the same time, although publishing's grown into it more serious, standalone business over the years.
0: Yeah, yeah. And the sort of the shop. So I, I remember the shop. I was only in the shop maybe once or twice. Um, but when I was saying I was going to do this this podcast, a few of my mates who some of them are DJs, some of them are just people that love music, and they were all like, "Oh man, like I think I kept that place afloat for years." Like, so they were they were in all constantly. A few of them were like that. Oh, they'd forgotten all about the shop until I'd mentioned it. Um, so how did it come about that you were in the shop? Did you set that up? Or were you working with other people? Oh, did
1: you, I mean, just what you're saying there, are so many people, I think, uh, Kayleigh and Susan are always amazed when stuff's posted about 23rd to see the reaction of people because it was such a big part of people's lives. And some people I don't like moved on, <laughs> to be honest. But uh, they're still doing what they were doing at that time. But um, no, we as I said earlier on, I used to, to get up on a Thursday night and the guy kept the thing, the shop open for us to buy vinyl. Right. And at that time I think the guy was giving me twenty-five quid in Kobama and I'm spending hundred and fifty quid a week in vinyl. So it's <laughs> as club's mall. So negotiated buying the vinyl. And then it was th- I saw the advert in the paper, it was weird. And I'd said to Brian Spears, the previous owner, um, is this this is a shop that's for sale? It just said record shop for sale. And we had a week the offer was getting a week later, and I think other people wanted to I think he wanted us to get it, to be honest, because we were the ones that were going to keep it as a music shop and other people might have different ideas and past for the that site. Um, yeah. So that gave us um, sort of favouritism, I suppose, but we still had to come up with the, the money. So our partner said, look, if you raise X amount, I was like, how are we going to do that? And <laughs> of course, you're going back to the bank that gave us money for a card and you're going to leave a uh, sure job with the council steady for years and years and I said no. <laughs> and then I got a loan for him it was a seven and a half grand loan and I sold the car that they gave us a loan for in the first place wow <laughs> we got the <laughs> aye, money together to get in and that was how that was how 23rd started for me at 89 1989 we're in there 23 years it,
2: it is mad to hear sometimes like so myself and Kaylee that work at 23rd like this is a <laughs> three hour era like we weren't mm-hmm. born 89 or maybe <laughs> <laughs> but um, sometimes when we are like managing some of some of the social media channels, whether so it's twenty-third piece outdoors, Lumbo Records, which was the yeah. uh, which was birthed out uh, of the shop like some of the comments and like people tell these mad stories sometimes <laughs> if you're looking for if you've got a really sad boring friday night like go to <laughs> comments on like youtube lim- uh, Limbo's youtube and it's people telling like the craziest stories and i don't think me like initially when i first started working 23rd i didn't really acknowledge or accept like how massive limbo and 23rd was like and it still is obviously but seeing people comment from like australasia and over in the states and you know you were having parties with like um who is it you're having people back to the shop after like oh,
1: there was so of having... so DJs Roger Sanchez, Masters at Work, Danny Tenaglia, yeah, James Abuya, Yoji Hamaker, right? But a lot of them played uh, sets in the shop as well. But we'll know yeah. it, we'll not get any footage uh, photos <laughs> or photos or it. I don't know, it's, it's different just... times. He just
0: wouldn't have, do you know what I mean? It's, it's so funny, he wouldn't have done it. Shame. Yeah. So wow. that also, it's before the era of like everybody having a phone, or you know, when you're at a gig and people
2: take iPads, <laughs> that really, really. Grinds my years when people are at a gig of an iPad So it it really was like like just loving in the moment, and you'll just have these stories. So when Billy's telling those stories, sometimes it's just like, man, I do wish there was evidence, but I think like can I appreciate it more that there isn't because you were either there or you weren't. So yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's, yeah, some of the stories are mental, you know, bit far
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, we met some great people, did some licensing their label in the early days. We had a records. Uh, two albums out with Tribal US, which is Danny Tanaglia's label yeah. with Rob Stefano and, and things like that, pretty much. And that, that was the way it was in the early days, a them as well, got, things like that. We came back and you were you had an offer on the table for a year's deal in Scandinavia or France or whatever it was, so you could set your, your label up for the year having uh, some advanced investment, but you don't get it anymore. That kind of started uh, dwindling in the, oh, I don't know how long now. 12 years ago, 10 years ago, and then you could pay for that trip with advances for singles and things like that, and then all of a sudden it's analytical people that go to meet them and the companies that we're speaking to now about putting uh, records out, it's, um, yeah, changed times, but you knew at that time it was exciting, you come back to an offer for the label or for a single or for an artist, um, and you you could build your... Year around that,
0: but even then, it was uh, this is all done. I was speaking to uh, Glenn at Soma. This is all done before like email, this is all done by fax and telephone and letters. Like it's I
1: it actually, we had banter going on with shops in London The a Friday night with Pete Tong's playing with tunes or fax and abuse back <laughs> <laughs> in the shop. It was uh, quite bizarre,
0: <laughs> incredible. Now you just hit them on Twitter, I know.
1: So we was at the exact same time as, as mm. when you we were out. I think there's one programme that's, can't remember, it's on YouTube now anyway, we're all on it. Yeah, amazing. Michael Kilke as a young pup in the Lose at the Tunnel, but <laughs> you get interviewed. Um, I think Glenn was on that as well, actually.
0: Right. So I I thought the 23rd thing, so that wasn't you, I thought you'd made all that up, that was all there, that pre-existed.
1: See, no, see, uh, I think it was way back to the 60s, somebody told me uh, uh, one of the record fairs one day, but the very last day of the shop we're in. <laughs> I must have. Been, I was a bit tearful when we left, mm-hmm. and we're in the, the the second office, the Iron Horse across for the, <laughs> <laughs> the horse. No, it was, no, the Iron Horse. That's the one that was, horse
0: shoes. Oh no, the horse shoes.
1: <laughs> one in the late. The Iron Horse is the one, <laughs> and they played Hallelujah. Somebody had done it in karaoke. because I was like, I could feel the tears coming in the taxi home. The guys like ah, It was my mate that started twenty uh, third, I was like, on the last day, I was in the. Sure, it was that weird. weird. It was that was mental. So um there's a few people handed it to me, but the guy Brian Spears before me, he was really passionate. He used to do uh cassettes to the schools as well, the like educational cassettes. Right. it was one of the it was so far ahead of the imports and that kind of side of things, and um he had a big classical section as well when we right. we took it on. So he was he was he stayed on for a few months to show us the ropes and mm-hmm keep us going but uh, yeah no there was a few I just I took the baton off a couple of people
0: Right. and uh, mm-hmm.
1: kept the kept the name with the publishing company and that's what's the label side now is. it's Limbo uh, first run of the labels uh, now, but um, yeah
0: and when did that shut when did the, the shop shut I
1: think it might be coming up in 11 years 12 years this year
0: so going from the shop and you've now you're now in the bars and bad so that's that's not all the I don't imagine that the, the, the collection I've seen in there is the stuff from the shop. That's your personal collection, I'm assuming? Or is that yeah. stuff you've put out? Yeah,
1: no, the shop stuff, was <laughs> we, we sold that before we left, to be honest. But yeah, so it is. No. I've no idea. I did, I did try to sell some at times, but then I ended up at that fair, and people were bringing it up, and I said, look, I don't want to offend people, but yeah, um, I might know sell some of this. And then, <laughs> for instance, a, a public anime album that Vic played last night, Yes, yeah. and the shrink that can't kind of sell that right away so um things like that so I've had a go at selling I kind of pick things for selling discogs although that's I need to go and look at that actually it takes a bit of time yeah um, so
2: me organisation <laughs> <laughs> he he's like can you go check for this record it should be on shelf blah 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 it should be but it <laughs> not nine, nine times out do, I'm going to say ten times out of time that's not on that shelf do you know
1: what happened I had them all organised discogs and then when we went all the all the boxes fell into each other in the van when we moved into the bars, and they all ended up a bit mixed up, but they're in categories, so at least they're sorted into that. But yeah, um, <laughs> so it was after the, the shop, I'd worked for home for a good number of years, and then looked at an office, it was between Hidden Lane and then bars, and Hidden Lane never had a window, and I thought, well, for 23 years, we know windows, yeah, yeah go find true. a window. And that was the reason to go to the bars. We were quite early yeah. in the bars. I think Jed McGloan was in there. Mm-hmm. She had a unit at the time, but it was pretty quiet. And then it kind of picked up a bit with Brian, Trainer and Ricky took over yeah. the event space and yeah. put some entertainment in there. And it was it was pretty cool for a few yeah. years, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know nori has got it back up and running again uh, pretty well. So just we haven't been in that much.
0: Yeah. No, it's a great spot. It's a really nice wee
1: spot. Um, We've we'll watched the full area coming up with St Luke's and different yeah. places like obviously yeah. the Battlelands and Mondo Step as well. So mm-hmm. fantastic. But.
2: It's great to see a sort of like community there like you've got Clydeville Radio who are like a Q1 radio station yeah. and then you've got other creative people like there's the Gin Distillery as well but there's also people Design like um, Many Studios which is like around the corner. Um, so yeah, lots of these sort of, sort of hot desk sort of rent, rent a space ideas and I think it just gives a sense of you know freelance people that are floating about, and we, we've worked with the, the guys Clubhouse Paradiso, who are like a graphic mm-hmm. designs company. So, we just kind of get to meet people, and there's like a nice energy and sort of you know creative atmosphere. I think it's quite mm-hmm. quite it's, it's beneficial for us, obviously working in music, but just anybody that's sort of working in the arts. I think it's a, it's a good place to
0: be. Even the upholsterer, I'm sitting on a couch that the
1: upholsterer, oh, yeah. there. I think she's moved now, is not she? Oh, she? <laughs> she, was
0: she was great. Hi. Um, can't
1: it's a lovely okay. couch. It is. Yeah.
0: <laughs> So, so going from into the into the bars, and you've obviously moved more into a sort of publishing role, like with like Notting Hill. Like, tell me more about how that works for you as, as a publisher. And
1: I was just saying one last thing about the bars there. It's allowed us to do some events in it and a monthly networking night, which sadly is not happening mm-hmm. at the moment. But they were always great for new talent, meeting new talent, and. And things going in, and also the ability to put on shows. I mean, yeah. the first first run show that I did with Scott Kipwood in there, the lineup was Jerry Cinnamon, Vukovi, and Lewis Capaldi. Mm-hmm. I look at the flyer for that and think, wow, <laughs> 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 how did that? Yeah, Incredible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Janine, Janine Vickovi ba- balancing on the speaker stack at one point. I was like, she went <laughs> <on." laughs> <laughs> and it was bolted in there. There was no heating until yeah. Yeah. later years in there. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Is somebody else on that lineup as well, one more, wasn't there? Um, Model aeroplanes,
0: aye, that's right. right. Wow, and even the bar, I remember going to the, one of the first things in the bar is um, my wife was involved in a, a thing with PodCart, it's it a John Peel thing, and she right. was working with right. a signer called Alan Moore, and Joan was dancing, and he had yeah. sort of done a tapestry of her, like, I think it was dreams or memories, and they did it, and it was, again, it was freezing cold in there, and they put it on a screen, it was really cool, but it and in fact, it was iced inside. It, it was <laughs> iced inside it.
1: Well, I said, there was many a day we had to go home for the office because it was too cold until Norrie put the, the heat in. Eventually, it was just too cold to work.
0: Yeah.
1: Your Uh-oh. thing moved. Try, it and, try, it? try to type
2: with your fingers. Were, like, you, um, were you there when there was... I was
1: there, yeah. Was the heat in the when you were there? I don't know. i was still Baltic. <laughs> Aye. Oh, no, because the next door, the barbers next door, controlled our heating. So if they were late in, we're oh, God. That's right. I forgot about that. But... Um, Aye, so the publishing, as I said, the publishing was set up back in the 90s with the, the label. It was um, where a company called Reverb Music was with partner in the early days. And then we Ian Wright and Alexis, uh, Ian sadly passed away a few years ago, but Alexis is still going, although in frailer health than he used to be. Interesting uh, lawyer who's in a good few books, like Motorhead and Led Zeppelin, manager that I read in Lockdown. Alexis is in there. Um, <laughs> He's, he's actually been a lawyer for the the, the band as well, the Danko. Yeah. Um, and so we were with them and then met Andy McQueen a couple of times and they were asking us. Then we've ended up with Notting Hill. We had a, an admin deal for Limbo Records and the catalogue and they also allowed us to sign things. And that became a bit more permanent about 10 years ago where well, they were partners in the business. And um, yeah, we've been able to develop. Different sort of strands to music publishing. Uh, having Susan, one of the first conversations I remember with Susan was, well <laughs> oh, could you organize my life, yeah. <laughs> organize my life, and the, the catalogue into some sort of order." For the, oh, because this yeah. is the way we need, especially for sync, which Susan yeah. going to tell you, no doubt. Yeah. But it was it was just me up in Glasgow. Apart, the London office were there, but. All this stuff it, just wasn't really. Billy so
2: many strong points, but see, organisation is <laughs> not even in the top. Right? So, see, when he was like, "You look at the Lumbo catalogue and I was just like, "This this artist called Havana. Like, how is it spelled? Because on different releases, it Havana was spelled differently. So it might have one end, might have two ends." And he was like, "Oh, it just it depends who was in the office that day." And I'm like, "No, no." I was like, "As like, see if you had." a more
1: organised person back then I think you were just my sister was them. in she was in brought into you know, organised life but
2: yeah
0: just.
1: I um, mean the, the early darts I'll see if you look back it skip got one and then stuff's up on there and ask people that are real fans of Limbo asking about certain mixes like, uh, it's oh. 92, 93 I really good on and Susan says you look at the and there's different spelling way different though. oh honestly man so. it's was, it was, it was <laughs> looking at that that Limbo side of things in the 23rd catalogue because it's a huge catalogue
2: obviously it spans what was the first release was in 92 so it's right 30th through, anniversary
1: next year actually, actually.
2: So yeah. for that. So the, and there was periods of like inactivity but generally speaking across like 30 years it's been you know releasing every year so there yeah. was you can imagine my face yeah. and I was looking at these spreadsheets like oh my god oh my god but we're, we've got there pretty much haven't we? we've got all the catalogue back up on streaming platforms and you know that was quite a big job amazing from... You know, from that point on it's been it's almost just been like a sort of restart and giving it a bit of a new lease of life essentially but um
1: and for Sync, just telling people that this is easy clear which is a big thing for music supervisors yeah especially and you're well on top of that now aren't you new releases
2: yeah just knowing like for for your listeners out there who maybe don't know what a music supervisor is so that's Mm -hmm. someone who is responsible for getting music used in like tv and ads and films and games and anything i mean an image so when the, when they approach a company, and the, like that company owns the master rights and the publishing rights, so the songwriting and the audio, then it just makes things easier from their end. So it makes things more, um, you know, sort of um, likely to get picked up if they only have to talk to one person. So, um, just, I know that's we're just talking away like we've probably wouldn't expect everybody to know, but just yeah. that's like the master rights and the publishing rights are two separate things. So if they're owned by the same company, then it can be advantageous when it comes to. Getting stuff
1: used in TV and films and etc. So, and if not, for instance, like one good example is Bobby Bluebell, who's written a quarter share on some of the Texas songs. So, we make sure we're speaking to to Rob and the management and and turn the other publishers and labels so that we can at least answer any supervisors quickly if, yeah. if there's a request comes in. Yeah. So. Sometimes uh, the deadline's a few hours to the end of the day for, for some of the, the films and TV even though they're yeah I don't know why that is but they always seem to be a last minute deadline for these yeah. things Yeah,
0: I think it is it's the, the sync thing and publishing is that it's a massive um, maybe minefield for for loads of people even people who know about music um, so even just breaking it down I was just trying to keep things in really simple terms so even for yourself Susan like if I'm a songwriter how do I make money from from licensing my music
2: I mean there's loads of different areas that you make money from so like if your music's performed in a live setting or it's broadcast on the radio or it's played in a shop or um you know if if you're going to if you've got a residency somewhere um an open night thing and you're going on you're going every Saturday and singing Elton John covers then you're not going to get publishing royalties from that because you're not performing your own work so just breaking it down into something simple and Elton John probably doesn't need any more money so if you are a songwriter like go out and play some of your own songs on the PRS for Music website so PRS is the um, Music Collection Society for the UK so you you can go on there and log your set list so we've got writers and DJs quite a lot of DJs actually that tour all over the world and a large portion of their income you know it's good to see that gigs are coming back again because a large portion of their income came from them playing their music at sets at Tomorrowland or you know in Miami or all over the world basically I mean there's there was a band we looked after who we were touring I think 360 days out of 360 oh, yeah. idea and then you know so that's that's one instance um things like your your works getting played on the radio obviously you get PRS royalties from that if it's streamed or downloaded and um, you get royalties from that and, and you know, we're not going to kid on like there's, you know, I'm sure most people know, but the, the, the digital world's great for access Absolutely. for everybody. And we've got, you know, we can click, you know, are two clicks away from any song that we've ever wanted to listen to. But for the actual creators, it's actually been quite devastatingly. um. know hard to deal with so you have to try and scrape every single penny that's rightfully yours together so that's why it's important to um you know either have a publisher or know about prs for music if you're a songwriter um definitely attending like events like resonate and stuff like that where you can meet people and they can sort of talk you through the processes of getting set up or if you're looking for a manager to take on some of that responsibility so all these sort of it's just really connecting the dots i think um Mm -hmm. And then the big golden prize is if you get a sink, you know, we're, some some of the briefs that we work to, you know, the budgets are beyond your wildest dreams. So okay. um, I think particularly in the in the US, they have an interesting approach with advertising agencies and all that. They'll just you know, they have got huge budgets, so, um you know, we've been really fortunate, I think two years ago, or three years ago now, we had an ad, a song in an ad, ad was, it, yeah, yeah tackle Bell, right. so that was great, um we just had a song picked up for our US TV series, a Christmas song actually, mm-hmm. um which is a nice surprise. Yeah. Um, Mark
1: McGowan got on that Council Dad programme yeah, in the US. Of,
2: and... one of our writers, Mark McGowan, he had another one of his songs in a, a TV series so there, there's lots of different pockets of income I think you just need to be aware of what they are and make sure that you're you're doing your best to collect like I say every single pay that's that's rightfully yours. So. I
1: think it is a surprise that's like it's some of the especially in the electronic the DJ world I think production world uh, people have been used to been to for writing for that time and we've got a, a good few writers back when things were flying and mm-hmm. you could get compilation income and get good advances for that and side so the things are amazed at how even with some of the, the most prominent particularly in, in Holland we've got some of the biggest dance labels in the world there and mm-hmm. you can see the income streams have dropped over off the, the last 10 years just wow. naturally there's no compilations anymore streaming is really hard to to get a return, but people still think, I think publishing is, you know, where the, the prominent income comes from, it's not really, mm-hmm. um, and then it depends where the streams come from as well, At like the UK and US or the, the big territories, but if it comes through more the smaller territories, South America, then it's a small percentage of what you could get if it was mainly generated in the bigger territories, mm-hmm. so there's all sorts of different reasons where you could have 10 million streams and earn very little yeah. in the songwriting mm-hmm. side. There's
2: definitely good examples um, of, like we deal with a lot of songwriters who maybe so we have songwriters who are also performing songwriters, so they can oh, get yeah. that side of the business as well, so they're, they're getting publishing royalties. But if they're actually singing on the record or they, they're playing production on the record, then they would get um, mechanical um, PPL royalties as well, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I think it's just about, I know we're just throwing all these acronyms out there, like PRS and PPL, but <laughs> if you are a songwriter, just like just spending a couple of days or you know, even a couple of weeks just going through the PRS website and reading it word for word and just trying to get your head around it, I mean we've got um we do a lot of pitching as well so um you know not every, if you're a songwriter not everything you ever write you you might not you might want to release you might want to pitch it for another artist so that's something else to think about like is there are you writing pop ballads but you're i don't know an electronic artist or whatever so then those pop ballads you would send to your publisher just being like can you find some artists that might be interested in covering this song
0: yeah.
2: um so things like that we do a lot of pitching to like southeast asia as well so like k-pop and j-pop's like a massive i know it seems obvious to say but it's a massive market you know bts are yeah. probably one of the biggest bands if not the biggest band um in the world it seems um mm-hmm. so we pitch um a lot of the the bands out there are are sort of like what you'd sort of call like manufactured bands like yeah. you know the x-factor days and all that sort of stuff so yeah. they, they typically don't really write their own music so they look to People like publishers and management companies to submit songs for their consideration. So I think you had a couple of Japanese number ones, have you not, a few years back? Yeah, Shannon and um, James
1: um, did it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. that's the thing we are. But we are really active for us. I think based in Glasgow. Anyway, we're all passionate about the creative side and working and all this side. We've got other people in the. We were partnership with the Notting Cobalt who do the collection and the admin and the royalty side of it. So it allows us to get on with this side of it, which is. Where our passion lies and we're pretty active, I would reckon as a as a publisher, we do all this pushing hard. Sometimes you wear the you wear a management hat advising people on contracts and the master's side and things like that as well, just to help. Um mm-hmm. whereas it's kinda of wee bit out with the, the traditional publisher's role, we, we do it. We're a small company and we we help in those areas if we if we can. So
0: For sure. Um I mean even last last two years ago, maybe three years ago now when you, you did this uh, songwriting camp with all the writers. It's a, a great opportunity for other writers to meet, and I know we we'll put to to few there with you. Yeah. Um, it's, it's such a brilliant idea for them to to collaborate with each other and get used to that. Yeah, that um, was great good
1: Actually, experience, is not it? We for had, um, I
2: think Hector and a couple of others. Oh, yeah, Music, yeah. Music Plus mentoring, and you know, I, I think I, I remember Adam and Hector saying like, I think they were just they went a bit into it like, I didn't headlights like, like didn't really know what to expect, but I think. You know, the concept of going into a room to write a song that doesn't exist with people you've never met is quite odd. But, you know, once you're in there, and I think the writers yeah. that we had up So this, this is a writing camp that we held at the SCE Institute and in, I think it was 2019. I think you're right. I think it was a couple of years yeah. ago and we had, um I think we had 12 writers and a couple of the writers, a couple of young um, budding songwriters from Music Plus Mentoring came along and, you know, we, we issued briefs. So, um so-and-so was looking for a song that's like, that sounds like this, you know, insert reference track here. And I think, um, you know, that's how you you sort of build confidence and you actually learn new skills, like working with maybe writers that you, you wouldn't really normally work in your genre per, per se. So maybe you're working with people that are more electronic. So one of the guys, actually, John Markey, he's in a sort of sci-fi disco sort of duet. <laughs> so he was writing sort of more pop-based stuff. Um, we had Rachel Barrer, who's um, one of our songwriters, Um sort of does sort of piano ballads, but she was writing cool sort of tropical pop stuff. But yeah, it was just a really interesting experience. And you know, the result of those camps is the songs at the sit in our database and I'll pitch them for, for things that come in for um you know if a management company approaches me and say like we're looking for you know a song that sounds like this I'll I'll dig through the database mm-hmm. and just be like what this one does this one suit and you know
1: so and so. Ideal success I've enjoyed really enjoyed the different the One we did in London, Dublin, and Glasgow for these, and I think it is great to Susan saying there, pe- take people out of their comfort zones a wee bit in terms of what they expect to be writing, and also for some of the younger writers, um, what you mentioned there, just to see their confidence growing by the third day. Yeah, and always amazing me by the end of the third day, we would go and listen to some of the songs. That's my favorite bit when you think of the, the chaos at the start to getting all these great songs, maybe yeah. some of them. And, different stages some of them are a bit more developed than others depending on who the producer in the room is um, but really exciting when you get to that stage and you see the reactions and people listening to people's different ideas brilliant love it
2: and during the lockdown just like at the start of this year we actually did a, an online writing camp with a company called Pam Bay um, yeah. Music so Rhiannon Mayer who um, she's executive producer at Music Producers Guild she spoke at Resonate last year so after Resnit, I was like, oh, she she just initially started, um, just started the publishing company and I was just like, we'd love to, you know, get something going here. So um we did a songwriting camp specifically targeting the K-pop and J-pop market. So, um you know, it was all obviously working remotely. And I think that's... Yeah, it's an interesting
1: like, recent development yeah. <laughs> in the remote writing.
2: Yeah, I think if you can save yourself, you know, uh, you know it maybe it doesn't make sense to go down to london every single week maybe but yeah. go down once every five weeks or six weeks but you know if you can do stuff remotely then you know you're not only saving yourself some cash but saving the planet and you yeah. know just being a bit more conscious in that side of things like we've been developing relationships with people in scandinavia and you know we do stuff in the, like with people in the states and like billy mentioned earlier holland and that's a big territory for us so mm-hmm. um your
1: dishwasher yeah. going
0: <laughs> on? I was going to say that. So, how did the sort of um this sort of pandemic affected you? Um, I know you, you had resonate last year, you had it online. Is that right? You ran it online. Like, yeah, how was that? Was there challenges with that? Did things work well, better or not work?
1: I think I think going right back to the start before resonate planning again. Um, just thinking about a couple of conversations we had about the the right because we're thinking, geez, it was a bit doom and gloom. we we're, we're suddenly missing all this stuff that we normally do, like live gigs and shows, the networking nights and things like that. But we had a few conversations with uh, some writers and I remember it was different people. Some people had set-ups at the house that were good to go, could keep pitching. Yeah. So we knew that was going to be up and running okay. But other people, like that, no, I don't really have this equipment in the house. And it was cut off for a few people, certainly in the early months, which was a shame. Then we were all locked in anyway. But yeah. um, while we are locked in, for the ones that could continue, that was. Uh, that was reassuring, I suppose, but mm. resonate was kind of, yeah. It was a, a challenge, but we got there yeah. doing it on on hopping. Yeah, we're holding.
2: we're, we're holding back just waiting, making a decision to see, you know, like could we do it or could we do it because it uh-huh. did seem like the news was the the rules were changing every two minutes, wasn't it? So. It's was true. Yeah.
1: There was a few, there we oh, yeah. there was a few casualties. Went on the early. I think with South by went. There was yeah. That really hit people hard. That this is a. This is for real. I don't know if they've recovered yeah. that. Early. I don't know what's happening south by, but then you could see the, some of the big events tumbling. So, yeah, it took a few months to kind of settle down and then yeah. when we decided we were going to go ahead with the, the virtual yeah. edition.
2: Yeah, we used this but, um, event, uh, this um, digital platform called Hopin, H-O-P-I-N, which basically emulates you walking into a conference hall where there's different rooms and you can do a networking carousel and just watching some like videos on YouTube with it on it and, and you know seeing how easy it was to set up because um tech, tech is just not my speciality. But we brought Holly Malloy on board who was really helpful with setting up the sort of digital event side and just took all that sort of stress away and, and, and her and her have done really well with the event set up And it it did work actually really well for us. And we had attended, had a couple of attendees from like Shetland and yeah. a bit further afield. So We've sort of taken that into account and tried to apply it to this year with our sort of hybrid thing that we're doing. So we'll, we are returning to an in-person event but we're going to have a sort of mini programme available by hopping again as well just just to try and capture those people. You know, you shouldn't be um, determined if you can attend an event or not just by where you are or maybe you can't get childcare or, you know, there's a hundred reasons why you might Excellent. not be able to that attend. You had a
1: conversation yesterday with Leeds Conservatoire are going to take 10 tickets for the online version.
0: Yeah. Excellent.
1: Just a bit... Uh, costly for being there in person for them but yeah and um, yeah and I, we, we did other things we did a few limbo live streams we did the band gig and i noticed with the, one of the band was last christmas they you could see the audience coming in for different countries which was unusual do <laughs> you sell it touch you, <laughs> your I know. local audience but yeah so these kind of things opened up resonate with them yeah and i guess that that's kind of led <laughs> to some of the additions this year resonate international because we decided a few months ago just to have the the panelists who are going to be there from the UK just to be safe. We travel mm-hmm. and, and things like that. So but we're doing an international side if the technology, the
0: technology,
1: technology allows, we'll <laughs> have some just from the States and other countries uh yeah. we are compare in the room. So yeah. Think, few challenges yeah, this year, but hopefully it's all right.
2: I think, like, that's the point point in, like, working in the music industry as well. You just have to be adaptable, like, these things get, like, you know, not just the pandemic, but there's challenges mm. get thrown up at every opportunity, like running live gigs, like, you know, is is, is there a problem with the PA? Is someone running late? Is, you know, there's all these things that, you know, I feel like I'm just having anxiety just thinking about it. Myself. <laughs> there's all these things <laughs> that can go wrong. Yeah. I remember I used to think. See, the first year we were doing residency, I remember just not sleeping the night before, and I'm like, "Man, well, if it snows tomorrow and people can't fly up, and you know that way we are just catastrophizing and everything." But it's just natural. But on the day, like you know, I think I think do we have a good time in the day, I don't know if I have a good time because i just. I was about that the
1: other day. I think yeah, no, I think you relax <laughs> in the yeah. keynote speech. Just when I think that's yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah, the end of
2: the day, <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah. it's just because you, you care about something as well, and you know, it's 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 you know, it's sort of finished that this is our fifth year which mm-hmm. it's mad to think Amazing. Is, the first year is sort of hardest because we try to figure out like where we fitted in in this sort of in the sort of Scotch calendar of events because there's lots of great events and mm-hmm. conferences and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. just try to figure out where is where is it we we sort of sit in this in this calendar and you know we've had we have like Janice or size she comes along and the event which I think gives it a bit more of like a
0: mm-hmm.
2: a sort of show feel like people are yeah. kind of directed to what's happening next and yeah you know the quality of the speakers that we've had like Adele's lawyer we've had Simon Napier-Bell who came over from Thailand Mm -hmm. um we've had yeah loads of Maggie Crowe who's who's Jay Dockery yeah Yeah, Maggie
1: Dave Ambrose
2: loads of great speakers over the years and you know um, it's been great for us as well from like a Twitter precinct standpoint like making not just running the event but benefiting from making those connections and you know I, i Going back to the limbo and um, thing, I think three or four years ago we had Sharon from InGrooves, a music distributor, up, and that's how they sort of deal with InGrooves was struck, and we got the whole limbo catalog, like all those things, the tunes back on digital streaming platforms. So yeah. you know that's all been off the back of a resonating. You know, I think there's there's obviously other success stories out there. Hopefully, um, you know, yeah, I think for me you
1: see that with the comments, is that young. Younger people just coming into the music business. Sorry, cut you off there. And students have been able to meet some of these people face to face that they might not have a, a, chance to meet. I think it's uh, always a buzz when you, you see people's stories and a uh, that's uh, helped them further their careers. So. Exactly.
0: It's like you've been a catalyst in that and just allowing them to to sort of have a relationship with someone and make something happen. You know, it's it's great. How yeah. did it happen? How did resonate start? I
1: did it. I've been thinking about it for a while. Uh, I, Think about a lot of things for a while. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, a music conference was one of them for a long time. And then when we got, um, was that before you started the first one? Just uh, chatting. And then we come in and Susan came in and it started to get a bit more serious and plans were laid down. Because it was a kind of idea that, yeah, when just I think having uh, been able to have a, a wee team in Glasgow again for me that you can bounce ideas off. Yeah. See me, uh, banging my head off the wall and talk to my all doing <laughs> this. <laughs> um yeah, I think so, that definitely does help because like because yeah. sometimes you need somebody like reassure you
2: like that is a great idea, but also you need somebody to tell you that's that's a really crap idea. Like yeah. <laughs> but, but mostly it is good ideas, but the we had like, the
1: connections like, and I think also having the moving to the bars as well, kind of was the final piece. Um having a base like that where we could see, look, this is potentially could work in here.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um so I think that was when it really kind of came together when we had the, the hub and the, the buzzer being in there. Mm-hmm. It just felt right at that point, didn't it? Yeah, totally. Yeah. I managed
2: sure. to get, like, we had, like, Nadar, um, who runs Blue Audio, so he's, like, our tech guy, and he came in and he just made everything look, I mean, professional and just, you know, gave, gave us that yeah. sort of... You know when people walked in, it wasn't like, oh, well, well, we didn't really know what we were doing, but the first year, I think, like, I said, we were trying to find out like what it is we were trying to achieve. But you know, we had great bands playing, we had um, really great speakers. And then the next year, we were like, okay, well, this worked and this didn't work, let's people you know, let's move this here because bad's such an open space, yeah. That when yeah. people are standing at the bar if you're talking to someone and it might just be talking at this noise level, it, mm-hmm. it echoes and it reverberates. So, I think that's something that, um, yeah, we, we did get red for, but again, you have to take that. The feedback, all feedbacks, useful feedback. You know, whether it's yeah. positive or negative. And, you know, people say things because you want to. They want you to better the be event. It's not, for the most part, I don't think people are saying it just to be yeah. horrible. But I think there's just,
1: also the fact the bars at the back of where the the hall is, so people have a few pints. The voices get louder, and <laughs> they don't realise. But this year's a, it's a change of venue, and it will be interesting. I think certainly that. Won't be a problem that uh, because it's all split up in different arches. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. yeah.
0: So, so tell us more about this year's resonate. What's what's coming this year and what date? When's it happening?
1: Well, starting to the date is the 18th of November? Is it 18th? Yeah. yeah. So it'll be some different bits of format for the day. Um, it's in platform at the arches, so it's it's over a few different spaces, which Susan can tell you because she's yeah. drawn out the map for it. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, just some different ideas and certainly and uh, the the virtual bit will continue and hop in and say the international live side and Susan can give you more yeah. detail. But uh, things will still resonate live, finishing up with that, um, some demos and from different big uh, tech companies and things like that. But some of the panellists have been announced already and are on the, uh, the website. There'll yeah. be more to come, but so, do you want to give yeah. an outline of so, the, the day?
2: Not, not going to divulge too much, but um, <laughs> the programme announcement will be out um, sort of mid to, mid to late October. But yeah, so we've got um, just all the people, all the things that people loved about it before. You know, we've got workshops, we've got panels, we've got one-to-one sessions, which I think people have always really mm. loved is that, you know that opportunity to meet someone from a leading radio station or meet someone who's like got a wealth of experience as a music consultant and can help with marketing ideas or and, and things like that and and like billy said we've got um you know the resonate international section which will will be beaming in people via the, the power of zoom um but yeah just to have that sort of um you know international connection which we've had in previous years obviously we can't find people in this year and we've got some really cool tech workshops which are we're just confirming up um right now and then in the evening we've got the Resonate Live Showcase, which has always been you know a highlight for us. And um I think last year was just was great. We had Benz and Russell Stewart, Bert Kennedy, Echo Machine. But in previous years we've had like Billy Got Waves, Joel, we've had uh, Declan Welsh and the Decadent West, Carla J. Easton, Honor, all Rascaland. Rascalon Awkward Family Portraits, so a real mix of you know it's, it's meant to be like a true celebration of like the strength and depth of, of what's happening musically in Scotland and um, you know I was having a wee flick through some of the submissions last, last night and just, just to hear some of the stuff some some artists I've never heard before and just you know it's it's amazing the quality of, of music that's out there and you know from all corners of scotland as well. I think I was listening to some an artist from Shetland last night and I think th- this is what's great about opening up our inboxes as well. We don't select a, the artists it's an independent panel of the selectors but it gives us ideas for maybe people to make our artist of a week our artist of the week yeah. and, mm-hmm. you know just just shout about people and you know it might might only be a tiny tiny way but you know that makes not make mean the world to an artist so
1: unfortunately you can only pick five but um know. so many so many uh, if, if submissions it had, isn't it? if we had
2: enough spaces for 20 i'm sure we'd have 20 on there. Um, yeah that's that's always a, a a really cool part of the day but yeah we'll have we'll have the we've got funding workshops and we'll have um Sort of workshops on mm. on understanding copyright. So if I've melted your brain, with <laughs> <if you've laughs> technology today, then and come along and resonate, and um you can you can hear from leading professionals. But our tickets for the conference we've reduced the ticket price. Um. So it was 75 in previous years, but we've dropped that down to 50. Um and, and that includes like your access to the Resonate Live in the evening and we provide lunch for everybody. So we really hope that people think it's it's good value. And, and there is a student ticket in there. So if you've got a valid student ID, you can you can get it for 35. And the online programme that's priced at a tenner. So you know, hopefully there's mm-hmm. something there that's manageable for, for most people. And you know, like I say, if they can't make the in-person event then then attending the online programme, hopefully people will still get get a lot from.
0: The day. fantastic listen Billy Susan thank you so much for taking the time today to speak to me and tell me all about that it's been excellent chatting to you
2: thanks <laughs> <that's> much for having us Keith that was that was good to chat some stories in there I've never heard of Billy fantastic.